Thank you for listening to the Writers Guild of Alberta podcasts. The following episode was recorded in 2020 as part of the WGA's online reading series, sponsored by the Rosé Foundation. The audio quality may differ from recording to recording. We want to thank the authors and hosts for their permission to share these audio-only episodes with you, and thank the Rosé Foundation again for their generous support. Good evening, and thank you for joining us at this live event. This is a part of the WGA online reading series, and this evening we feature Alberta poet Lynn Gale, who will read from her new poetry collection, L'Opacité. My name is Leanne McGlynn-Carter, and I'm so pleased to be your host this evening. Firstly, on behalf of the WGA, I express sincere appreciation to the Rosé Foundation for their generous support of this reading series. Next, of course, I thank our poet for sharing her words and poetic journey with us. Lynn is a registered yoga teacher with a passion for her writing. Her goal is to help people find stillness, breathe deeply, reconnect with self, and uncover story. In July of 2017, she started her own business, Windsong Writing and Wellness, offering freelance writing, writing workshops, and wellness classes that blend yoga with writing. She is currently working on a juvenile fiction novel, a picture book, and a romance, three separate works, not all in one. And Lynn loves memoir as well and life stories. She enjoys kayaking, reading young adult fiction, and enjoying a good cup of chai tea. Lynn lives in Spruce Grove, Alberta with her husband of over 30 years and recently retired as the payroll supervisor for the city of Spruce Grove. She hopes that within her poems, you find something that speaks to you as together we begin to listen to the voice within. Lynn, over to you. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you as well to the Writers Guild and the Rosé Foundation for this opportunity to share my poetry collection through this virtual launch. And of course, thank you to any of you who are there listening to my words this evening. I'm very grateful to have you here. Our lives are woven together by threads, some visible, some less so. When I first wrote this poetry collection, I was going to call it Frayed Edges. It's roughly constructed, a little bit discordant, lumpy and scarred, and loosely connects all the different aspects of my life that have affected how I think, what I feel, and how I am. The pattern is slightly off kilter, as I've always felt, and it doesn't really fit with the rest of the world well, which I've also always felt. I've been looking through a haze, a misty filter, blurred and opaque, with a desire for clarity, and from that was born, lopacity. In English, the word opacity has multiple meanings, including the blocking of light, obscuring of meaning, lack of transparency. Similarly, in French, it refers to darkness, shadow, and cloudiness. The dedication at the beginning of my collection is to my husband, who loves me anyway. He also wants me to tell you that my poetry does not rhyme, so please be forewarned to avoid disappointment. More about him at the end. I was born in France to Air Force parents, a French mother from St. Boniface and a non-French father from St. James in Winnipeg. Like oil and water, 
My first poem is entitled Wild Thing. This is my beautiful collection. Giggling on the sands of Côte d'Azur, my little toes splash in the water while short curls bounce, looking exotic and wild and free. This child is a stranger to me. We moved to Count Borden in Ontario, then on to Gypsonville in Manitoba. Gypsonville, you say? Have I ever heard of that? Probably not. 200 plus miles due north of Winnipeg, a gated and fenced community of 98 houses, barracks, and some amenities right smack dab in the middle of nowhere. The next four poems came out of my time in that space, in that place. Home. The houses were cookie cutter, not the good kind with icing and sprinkles, but the undecorated day old variety. PMQs, we called them. We had a sense of security, not from boundaries, but a lack of knowing. And usually bad things didn't happen, at least not where we could see them. Caged. A high wire fence surrounds the base to keep us in or them out, whoever they are, like a zoo of oddities for the rest of the world to observe and mock. Hello, goodbye. Growing up on an Air Force base, slightly farther than where the hell is that, but not as far as that sounds nice, was like wearing a scarlet A. We were somehow less and always ashamed. Piège. Got locked in a locker at the, at the rec center once when I was eight. Everyone went home and if it wasn't for the chemo lady needing to pee, I would probably be there still. Got home and dad was making supper. He saw my hands scraped from pounding the inside of the locker door and face red from screaming. He asked what I'd been doing, but then one of the little kids cried or something and that was that. The ache in my throat wasn't just from screaming. Hear me. When I was nine, we moved to Cold Lake, Alberta, 180 miles northeast of Edmonton. Lots of houses, it seemed huge to us, but still gated and fenced. Plains, lots and lots of plains. Family dynamics were somewhat tense at this time, and my sensitive soul shredded on a daily basis. The next two poems, Facade and Verite, Reflect this time. Facade. Dad drank a lot. Mom did too, but she was more sporadic and determined. Dad drank every day. He was the life of the party and everyone loved him. 
He was nothing to them and everything to us, or nothing to us and nothing to him. I'm not really sure how that goes. Our house was party central on the weekends. We had to stay in our rooms. There was one bathroom and it was downstairs. When one of us had to go pee, he'd drag us into the party, drunken hugs all around, and then take us back to the bottom of the stairs and hiss, get back upstairs. Verite. Alone, I lived in my head and my books. I read and dreamed of other families who loved each other. Reality blended with fiction, with momentary gaps, where I couldn't tell real from unreal. Lying. Lines blurred, edges dark. I couldn't really tell the difference, if there was one. This time of my life, middle grade, I felt unloved and unlovable. So when puberty hit and continued to hit, I looked for love wherever I could find it, if only in my own mind or my own imagination. Hello, David Cassidy. I memorized every line written in Tiger Beat because that was the gospel according to David, wasn't it? There'd been that one guy in grade seven with gorgeous hair who turned and glared when he caught me staring. That was different. This is real. David would love me back because I'm a fan and he loves his fans. Tiger Beat said so. Sergeant Smith. Kitchen help means peeling more potatoes than I'd ever seen in my life. Then serving supper to those whose idea of an appetizer was a drink before eating. Leers and laughter mixed with beer breath and melting butter. Coming out after shift to find someone waiting by my mom's car. The kitchen supervisor driving away, leaving me with a drunken man who thought that I too was on the dinner menu. Finally getting away, asking the next shift why she'd left me and being told, I thought you wanted it that way. I was 16, a different kind of mess. Northern Lights. Aurora Borealis is most beautiful when it's cold and clear and dark. Colors dance and make you believe that anything is possible. The back of a skidoo at 40 below is colder than you can imagine. But the magic in the sky makes you forget everything. Until you realize the crackle in the air is not the music of the lights, but ice on the lake beneath you as it bends bows and fractures in a dance of its own. Pearls. There were good times too, with laughter and love, moments captured and held close, 
I mean, there had to be, right? Fragile and fleeting, this made them all the more precious. I wish there were more so I could string them together like pearls, shimmering in the light into a fabulous necklace that would adorn and caress rather than strangle and choke. By now, I was grown up, mumbled through the next few years, and then moved to Toronto in a doomed relationship. The next two poems are about my time spent away. Big Smoke. I spent years wanting to get away. Then when I finally did, all I felt was lonely. A life to start anew. A fresh beginning with no past. Somewhere though along the way, I'd lost the map. So just drove in circles, missing my exit every single time. Christmas dinner at the Hotel Frontenac. Silence can be torture when used to shut you out. A scream without sound is still a scream. It burrows deep and emerges in other ways to make itself heard, but you never heard. And I couldn't find the way to make you listen, even when I whispered. The Pair Noel was good though, and the croissants to die for. In the mid eighties, I moved back to Alberta and finally did something right. The next two poems are about my family. Soulmate. I should have known when I met you that you were the one for me. I knew you, yet I resisted. In spite of that, we still became us. In the end, or was that the beginning? It doesn't matter. You see me. But not forgotten. And the final poem that I'll share today is called Dreamweaver. Fragments. Remnants, my past, space between each strand, my breath, space to breathe, space to speak, space to dream. My dreams, imperfect stitches, sewn to my soul, threads, fragments. Back to the dedication. My JP has known me since we were 15 and through it all, he has loved me anyway, in spite of, or maybe because of me being me. Without him, I would still be driving around in circles. He is my center, my light, my clarity. Thank you so much for listening to me share my words. 
Thank you. Merci. Namaste. Hi, Lynn. How are you? <laughs> I'm lovely, Leanne. How are you? Oh, very well. Thank you. Um, thank you very, very much. Your words are so raw and honest that they will resonate not only with our guests tonight, but all your readers to come. So congratulations thank on this beautiful collection. Um, and I actually think I need to take a deep breath just before we go on to some questions. <laughs> so... Oh, there we are. So apparently we did have um, a really brief connection issue during one of the readings. And I just want to encourage oh. all of our listeners, if anything isn't quite right, just to try to refresh their page. But it was only momentary. So no worries, Lynn. Um, I just want to make sure that everyone is able to stay with us. So um, lots of lots of um, really uh, congratulatory messages for you. Lynn. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with some questions um, that uh, came about during the product, uh, the publication of our, of this book that you have. So I just wondered if you would mind telling the group uh, that is listening a little bit about the process you went on went through to decide on sharing such personal what I'll call stories, but of course, of course, became poems. You mean the production or the publication part, or just the, the fact yeah. to build it into a collection? The, the the journey you went through to decide to share these stories okay. so that are so per personal and then and if you want to talk a little bit about how they they turn from stories to poetry that that would be great too okay uh, one of the things I've always loved doing is journaling and through yoga and meditation one of the things I enjoy sharing with others is helping them to find their own story so in the process, both of writing through my own journal and helping others to start to find their own stories through their journals, I discovered through different means that little pockets of these stories were turning into poetry. There are little vignettes, little, little pieces of memoir that were coming out in these journals. And all of a sudden, words started popping out at me or phrases on the page, and they became what I later came to understand as poetry. And I thought they kind of had a theme running through them. And I thought, you know, one of my biggest things is helping others to find their story, but perhaps it might be nice to have a look at my own. So mm -hmm. by pulling these out and making them into poems and then turning them into, they actually have ended up being in chronological order, but putting them together and finding something, a commonality between them, all of a sudden resulted in this poetry collection. And I thought, you know, it is very hard and uh, embarrassing and humiliating at times to, you know, share things that are it's like blah, blah, and everything's just sort of laying there naked in front of people going, here, have a look, what do you think? And, yeah. but you know, I believe that we all have those things inside of us and they're part of the threads that bring us together as humans. So in order to find self-acceptance, it's also wonderful to extend the connection to others so that they too can find acceptance and maybe go, hey, it's not just me that felt that way. Um, someone else feels that way too, and they maybe feel a little bit less isolated, less alone. Wonderful. So would you suggest then, as, as if there's some people listening tonight that, that want to get started, that journaling is a good way to start to put pen to paper? Absolutely. And don't expect to get a finished product. The odd time, and by odd, I mean very odd, you write down something that it doesn't need to be edited and it basically is complete unto itself. But in most cases, you write pages and pages and pages of um, free stream 
thinking you're just everything's just coming out you're just letting it right and out of that when you go back and look at it again out of that comes the little pockets of clarity it's all tucked in it's hidden it's like it's all you have to unravel all these things and once you unravel them there's this little tiny nugget going hello and it's yes. it's the poem it's the point it's what you need to know what you need to listen to so yes journal 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 <laughs> Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Well, and there's some comments in our, in our live stream here, just telling you, you know, how very brave you are and um, for sharing these words. And, you know, there's a really amazing quote that I love um, by Mandy Hale, who's a New York Times bestselling author of You Are Enough. And she's like, it's okay to be scared. Being scared means you're about to do something really, really brave. And so I yeah, think really, that really <laughs> you've, you've um, certainly, you know, allowed our listeners and other writers that you will meet, you know, in the future to really um, draw on your courage and, and be able to do the same thing. So thank you on behalf of writers for that. Um, so yeah, so this also brings me to another question, just looking uh, and of course, reading their bio, and I'm lucky, very lucky to be able to call you my friend. And I also worked with you very closely on the publication of, of L'Opacité. And I'm just curious about your um, multi-genre um, experience. You've been published in other genres. And I'm just wondering, um, so we start with the journaling, but what is there a process or is it just intuitive that you're like, you know what, this is a short story, this isn't a poem, or, you know, this is a, this idea is so big, it's going to be a novel? Is there a few words you can give us on how you make a decision? Um, you know, um, I, that that's a really great question. And I wish I had a really succinct answer. But the bottom line is, I tried for years and years and years to write, I always wanted to write a Harlequin or write, write a novel. And I've been trying to for thousands of years. What ends up happening is I tend to be really good at chapters. I tend to be really good at pieces. And then those actually tend to turn into these and these poems that I'm writing are taking the place of my short stories. And it's almost like, um, they're like vignettes is how my work comes out it just an idea forms and it just you write until you're done and that so sounds so silly to say but I know when I'm done doesn't mean I don't have to go back and revise but it just it just writes until I'm done so I tend I don't believe I'm one of those people that will ever write the great Canadian novel because I have the attention span of a fruit gnat so poetry shorter poetry haiku is really awesome um, but also because my that tends my stuff tends to come out in these little clumps in these little pockets and then just turning them into you know whatever length of piece but I tend to around 3,000 words tends to be my maximum and I kind of burn out so yeah that's why yeah. that's my thing Okay, great. Uh, a common question for writers, especially those that are, you know, just starting, but even those that are established and, and starting, you know, especially now with the, the situation that globally we're experienced with COVID-19, um, is a writing practice. I, I feel for many writers new and established, their writing practice may have changed during this time of quarantine, isolation, and just drastic change to our society. Do you mind um, just commenting a little bit on your, like, when do you find time to write? Do you have a very um, scheduled and routine based or is it more when you have a moment? Um, just curious how you, you work it into your busy life. 
So interesting question, because this week I've just retired from the city of Spruce Grove. So now I'm going Congratulations. to have, <laughs> I'm going to have all this time. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it because my biggest thing is when I have time, when I retire, we'll see what really happens. But in general, normally, to be honest, I get the most inspired when I'm the busiest, usually mm -hmm. when I'm tired and crabby. Um, I can't remember which movie it is, but there's a movie that talks about, you know, it's when things are crappy that you actually write the best, like depending mm -hmm. on what you're writing, but where all these things come out. Because when things are good, it's kind of hard to, you know, go into emotional ups and downs. But when you're down, you're already raw and things seem to be opening. And as they open and these things spurt out, um, surge out, then it just seems that if you tap into that, more and more happens. So I tend to write in huge spurts. I'll get up early and write a whole bunch, and then I don't write for two weeks. I would right. love to say that I schedule, I get up, I do my journaling. I don't. Um, no. There was a time when I did. When my kids were little, I was actually much better at scheduling it in. Um, now they're all grown up, so I don't have that excuse, and I like to sleep <laughs> in. So what can I say? There you go. Basically, it's I tend to find that I write after meditation. When I, I journal... Um, mm -hmm. I use meditation to get myself into the space of stillness to be able to journal. And then from journaling, it kind of just goes in. And if I just let the stillness happen, then whatever was wants to be written bubbles up to the top and it writes. So basically, I tend to write in big chunks. Um, and then there's a pause. So I like to think of it that things build up, it all comes out, and then it builds up again. Okay. Great. Well, here's a question. Do you have a favorite poem in your collection? In my collection? I think that um, Soulmate for JP, I think that is one of my favorites. They all, they all speak to me, but that one is very positive. And he has been... Um, ah, he's the reason that I'm even still here, I swear to God. So yeah, yeah it would be that one. And That's he's always cool. supported me, even though my poems don't rhyme, which drives me crazy. <laughs> So, <laughs> and you know how I feel about that. So do. we don't have to get yeah, into that, do we? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so I was just curious if you had a favorite part of this process of oftentimes, you know, writers are very curious about the um, publication process, which we won't really go into per se. But I was just wondering if if there were any particular parts of um, the, the route that took you to putting your words into a book that was a little more challenging than you anticipated or maybe something that you weren't expecting that you had to do? Um, the thought that I wanted... I these were only, these were not written with the intent of them being published. They were written as part of a therapy for me, um, right. an ongoing therapy. That's just how I've been able to deal with emotions and different things is by getting the things out there. And then you can't really ignore them once they're there and then dealing with that. And what has that, what else has that affected? But when they came together and um, I started really reading, um, poetry collections by other people and realized that, wow, these are really speaking to me. Maybe what I'm writing may speak to someone else. Like maybe someone else has felt like this and they need to know that that's okay. I wish someone had told me, you know, I wish I'd realized all these things years ago, but we're all on our own journey. So everything happens along the way. So my, my decision to I'll go with an independent press, which is right. Well, press, um, which is Leanne is actually my editor and my publisher. The mm -hmm. hard part is giving your words to someone else and saying, this is the intent behind my, my collection. This is what I think the theme is. 
can you read them through and tell me what you think and then allow someone else to to look at them and go yes or no Mm-hmm. Um, willing to have someone change things around a little bit without changing the intention. I don't, and be okay with that. That's hard. Right. A, yeah. it's hard having someone else read them. B, it's hard mm-hmm. having saying it's okay for someone else to touch your stuff. And um, yeah, and then being willing to go into, you know, a negotiation of, do you think this works here? Do you think that works there? And actually discussing something that is the pro- the art that comes out of you, but opening it up for someone else's um I to say, is it actually saying what I think it's saying? Is there a way to make it more concise? Um, is there a way, does it even say what I think it's saying? Or is that just in my mind? That's right. the hardest part is opening it up for not criticism per se, but for, I guess, even just discussion. Right. And so again, that that's hard. Yes. And that, again, speaks to, you know, what's been called by Ralph K is the courage to write, or, you know, it just that, that feeling of, of, it's almost, I've often said, you know, a book or ending a work is, is like having another child (laughs) and that you, you release it to the world and you just have to trust that it's going to stand on its own and be okay. And I, I certainly know that, that Lopacite will do that for you, Lynn, for sure. So was there, was there a, a, a fun part that you didn't expect or did you have kind of the most enjoyable part of the process? Again, oftentimes we get caught up in the, the nitty gritty of what it means to become published, but yes. it's fun too. Like were there some parts that you enjoyed more than others? Um, I found the the editorial part was the part that I just was the most tense about and not that it was stressful, but that I wasn't sure what you're going like, what are you going to come back and say, this is crap? Are you going to come back and say, you know, like, what does it look like? So it actually, but it was a lot more, it was very, um, but I wanted it to be professional. I wanted it to um, be as good as it could possibly be, but still be in my voice. And mm-hmm. we really didn't change very much. We changed the order of a few things, which made some a huge difference. The day that this is the actual book. So because it is an independent press, it has a little bit more of an artisan feel. So we have this lovely cover which um, both Leanne and I thought represented lopacity so this wonderful vellum and then whoops and then these beautiful fonts the paper you know it had you can't really tell on the camera but it really has a lovely texture we have some gorgeous photos when this came or some gorgeous pictures when this came to my house I cried it was like oh my god this is just like and so did you we had a big hug and it was absolutely amazing to see this be in place and then read it read it through again and go ha it doesn't suck and you know what that's that was just lovely because in my mind it was always like yeah it's fine and then it's like oh no it's too personal it's it's embarrassing it's all these it's very conflicting but you know what it is amazing to have your own words in your hand and someone else read them and say hey that particular poem spoke to me or you know I kind of um I hadn't gone through that but I went through this in a different way it's making that connection and I think it's that connection to others that is the part that just makes me so happy Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. And I'm glad you used the word embarrassing as well as before when we were speaking of courage, because it is those moments of vulnerability that really do um, create some of the very best work. Well, like you were speaking of, you know, when do you write or when is the best writing coming out of you? It's it's really in our most vulnerable moments that, that those words flow. So, yes. Yeah, so thank you for... <laughs> 
you know, overcoming that and, and really facing uh, what has become such a great collection that I'm sure will really resonate with so very many people. Um, yes, absolutely. So I guess uh, another question that um, I had here was just if you wanted to speak a little bit about some of your other publications. I, as we mentioned earlier, you've, you've, um, you're working on projects that are multi-genre. I was just curious about publications you've had prior to this collection that kind of led up to this, this okay. celebration tonight. Okay. Um, thank you. Well, my very first article was in the Edmonton Journal way back in the 90s. It was a, they had a column called um, Voices. I think it was your voice, our voice. Okay. Anyways, I was published in that column. From there, I published a story in Chicken Soup for the Soul is Christmas, a story about my daughter who was born on Christmas Day. And from there, I wrote a short story. Again, memoir. These are all pieces mm -hmm. that are about people, um, about either about people that have touched my life. So I was published in Other Voices, it's a, an anthology. And then um, I wrote payroll articles and different things, which totally you, is not even payroll, people go, Ew. but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So no, a lot of work writing. writing. But people then, need to get I realized, <laughs> <laughs> then I realized that, you know, this poetry thing, this is kind of working for me. This is, I never really thought that I could write poetry, but through working with you, through working with, with uh, different poetry groups, I realized that, uh, poetry can be just about anything that you want. Poetry is very uh, forgiving in that way. And it actually just seemed to work better with the way my words flow and the way my thoughts flow. And um, so I have had uh, some poetry published in um, the Parkland Poets Anthology. There'll be another one coming out this year. Uh, in the fall, there'll be one coming out for Stroll of Poets where I'll have a, a poem in there. Through Loft 112 in Calgary, I have an online poem called uh, that in the part of their collection, which my understanding is it'll turn into an anthology as well. And that mm -hmm. is, uh, that was just very recently published. And now I have Lopacity. So from there, I'm not really sure it's just kind of evolved over time as I found my niche. I guess it's the same with how I found my niche with what I teach in yoga. It's mm -hmm. finding where you fit, trying not, don't try to fit somewhere else. Have it, have it come to you, have it, it will happen. And then recognize that, hey, this is where it fits me. And just work with that. Because I think for many years I was working against it because I was wanting to do something that just wasn't how I write. And right. it takes, I think that's just experience and practice and time. Yeah. So, one, I believe that's really great advice for writers because often we'll see a call for a contest or, you know, or um, maybe a, a publication opportunity. And, and it's not really what we do, but we think, oh, it's an opportunity. I'll just write yes. that. And, and I hear what you're saying about coming having the writing come to you and you know this is it's where good I to do those things you know anything like mm -hmm. that because it doesn't matter if you don't win or depending on if it's a contest etc it's practice That's and the right. whole secret is right like right 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 it's not all going to be awesome and uh, you know even when you send things out like oh my gosh over the years I have got like a drawer full of rejections it doesn't matter you know it was me maybe trying to fit into the wrong place or it wasn't the right time or any number of reasons there isn't a right or a wrong and I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to do things. It's just write your best writing and then do whatever, follow the path to 
whatever you want to do. Not everybody wants their work to be published. Um, and that's totally fine. Writing for yourself yeah. is perfectly is perfectly awesome. Or writing for family. <laughs> that's great. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. So we're we're just kind of entering into our about last five minutes or so uh, of our event this evening. And I was just wondering, we, we need to know where do we get your book, Lynn? How do we get <laughs> my book, Lynn? <laughs> my book is currently, um, it's available on my website. I'm hoping in the future it will be available at a couple of bookstores. But currently it is available on my website, Winsong Writing and Wellness. And you can purchase it through PayPal or you could, if you wish to do e-transfer, there's a click to connect with me to do e-transfer as well. And if you want, if you purchase it um, because of the launch, because you've seen it and you're interested, I actually have some assorted um, lovely little purchase gifts. So gift with purchase, that's what we'll call them. And so I have a, a beautiful little dragonfly crystal hanging thingy. I have a beautiful bookmark and for those of you that want to start journaling i have a dragonfly journal whoops a dragonfly me in the camera a dragonfly journal so that will be included as well as you also would get of course the copy of lopacity and you would get this beautiful bookmark that tells you all about it so 14.99 today yeah. only i'm just kidding um <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So please, if you're interested, um, I'm happy to share my words with you. And if you have any feedback, I'm happy to hear that as well. Okay. And we have the uh, link to Lynn's website up in the live chat. So awesome. I uh, encourage our listeners to to click on that and they'll be taken directly there. So Absolutely. that's great. Good. So do you have any closing thoughts or, or anything you would like to say before we, we say good evening to, to everyone on, on this live event? This has actually been one of the best evenings. I just love it. I'm so excited. I love, the more that I share my words with people, the more I love doing it. And this has just been so much fun. Thank you, Leanne, for all of your help in getting this published and for your guidance along the way. I'm very grateful to um, Writers Guild and to Georgia. Thank you, Georgia. What would we do without you? Yeah. And yeah. to the <laughs> Foundation for this opportunity. We had planned on having um, a, a launch at Audrey's back mm -hmm. in April. And because of COVID, that kind of went by the wayside. But now we have this new days, new opportunities. And thank you as well to everyone who tuned in to listen today. I know I have invited everyone I ever met. And I'm <laughs> so happy. I'm sorry. Now you can have a, a reprieve from the emails from Lynn going oh god is she oh. talking about that again but no, i'm never. So, so happy for all of the support that i've had and um just if you're a writer keep writing if you're not and you want to be then start somewhere by journaling joining a writing group parkland poets just yeah. do it there is no just do it i mean anybody can do it just believe in yourself connect with yourself find your story wonderful thank you so much well, for my heart well, you're so very welcome. And thank you so much as well, Lynn. It was just a fabulous event for all of us who took part. And once again, as Lynn did, I would like to thank the Rosé Foundation and the WGA and everyone who joined us this evening. I invite you to mark your calendars for the next next event in this series, which is actually tomorrow night. So you, know, you don't have long to wait till you get some more amazing, re amazing reading to listen to. Um, this is a pre-recorded event and features 
Meredith Clark, pardon me, and Under the Radar. So again, that's tomorrow, Wednesday, July 15th at 7 p.m. And all you need to do is visit the um, WGA event page and the information is there along with the YouTube link information. So thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Have a great evening and we look forward to gathering with you again tomorrow night. Bye, Lynn. Bye. Thank you.